Welcome to Nerds at the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Sammy. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And gentlemen, tonight was my pick. So remember, we're doing Spielberg month, right? Are we though? Started off with Jaws, right? One of the the, just the greatest Spielberg movies. Tonight, we're doing the Goonies. Now, I realize in the credits, this is just a story by (laughs) Steven Spielberg. Um, But I'm just going to admit, I really wanted to do the Goonies. So (laughs) we're going to be looking at the the Goonies tonight. But but I'm glad we did. Um, You know, unfortunately, we have lost, um, you know, and I don't know if we can find him. But uh, Richard Donner passed away. (laughs) And Donner was, was the director of this movie. So I'm kind of glad we're doing it anyway, just as an homage to uh, you know, Richard Donner. Without him, we wouldn't have had a Kevin Feige and, you know, a Jeff John. So Donner, we needed to do this one. Most definitely. Most definitely. 1985's The Goonies. Uh, like it's a story by Steven Spielberg, written by Chris Columbus, starring a whole slew of 80s children actors and Joey Papliano. <laughs> but before Joey, Joey pants, but before we go searching for one out of Willie's treasure, let's tell our fans about some treasures we've been listening to and watching and reading possibly in our keeping it 100 section. It's time to keep it 100, 100, 100, 100. All right, fellas, I am leading us off with keeping it 100. I've got my timer up. You know, we now have entered this era of entertainment where streaming companies are rolling out new content almost weekly. I mean, think about the buzz that that's happened with things like The Mandalorian or Stranger Things. But let's think about why. It harkens back to those cultural and nostalgic touchstones for so many of us and that's perfect for my keeping it 100 this week because netflix has released a little movie called fear street part one 1994 now fear street is this all of those wonderful 90 slasher flicks just kind of rolled into one. You know, everything now is demonic paranormal. So, but, you know, we miss the old slashers. So uh, I love this. You know, I grew up watching this kind of stuff. Uh, most weekends were filled with Sleepaway Camp and Friday the 13th and Scream. Um, you know, so those horror movies were a big part. So Fear Street Part 1, 1994, which Part 2 is going to come out, but they're doing 1978. So that's going to be interesting. Um, but there's some updates, kind of cool kind of things dealing with a little bit more social awareness and representation. Uh, and it probably has the gnarliest kill scene I've ever seen in a movie. So if you're a fan of the genre or just want to time machine back to maybe those teenage years for a moment, Check out Fear Street, Part 1, 1994. Yeah, that was a definite era in horror. You had the screams. I know what you did last summer, all that fun uh-huh. stuff. You know. you know, if I want to be scared, I'll just watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> there's, there's enough on the news just to definitely scare you. 
And, yeah, and what's I'm funny sure. though is it ties even to Stranger Things. Like this one at the beginning, you've got um what was the 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 actor that was Robin? Um Ethan Hawke's daughter. Ethan Hawke's daughter, yeah. Yeah. She was in it. In the second part, you've got the the actor that was Max, that was Mad Max, so she's in it. Oh, so wow. it's like, you know, they're they're kind of pulling on that Stranger Things stuff, I think, a little bit. So, but yeah, well, I'm glad that. the Stranger Things kids are getting some work because I don't know when Stranger Things 4 is going to happen. <laughs> Maybe they should stop getting work and just make Stranger Things. <laughs> Do Stranger Things <laughs> There <too>. you go. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I'm I'm not a big horror fan. It's like it has to be like something like, you know, special about it or like, like Stranger Things. I love Stranger Things. Um, I didn't expect to, but like there has to be something like unique about it, something distinct. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't like body horror stuff. And so like I'm very, very picky. I like except for zombie movies, I like zombie movies. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I'm a little intrigued. I'll 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 look up the warnings on IMDb and see if it's my kind of jam or not. But <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Not every horror works for me. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm up next, and uh, I don't have a good excuse. Here we go. Um, I'm um, pitching the Blue Flame. It's a new comic book series written by Christopher Cantwell, who I've become a huge fan of recently. He has worked in primarily in TV and film, but he has transitioned now to doing a lot of comic book work. But he's been working for Marvel. The Blue Flame is his first creator-owned work. And uh, it's kind of a wild story. And I don't, I mean, it's only a couple issues in, so I don't know the full, you know, everything. But the whole setup of the thing is, is there's a superhero called the Blue Flame. And you start off following him um, as a street-level vigilante. And he's working with his other street-level vigilantes. They have this whole thing going on. And then the scene cuts, and then you're in outer space. And he's wearing a slightly different costume. He's still the same person, but he's the blue flame. He's the cosmic blue flame. And then it cuts later in the issue to whatever his secret entity is. He's just an AC repairman. That's all he is. And there's these three plot lines. like, which one's real? Is this guy having some kind of mental break? Is any of it real? Is he just the repairman, you know, having hallucinations? What's what? What's going on? There's a big explosion where the street vigilante, you know, him, the, the Blue Flame Street version, gets killed with a whole bunch of other heroes. There's the, this one in space gets kidnapped by aliens. He's, he has to stand in, as, stand in place of the human race on trial, whether the human race gets destroyed or not. And there's all this stuff going on. I don't know what's real, what's what, but it's the art's great. And it's just this, I need to know what's happening. And I bet if you read the first issue of the Blue Flame, you'll need to know, you'll need to know what's happening too. And that's by keeping it 100. Yeah. Well, I'm staying on brand again this week with a sort of a music documentary um, on Amazon Prime. Andy Summers, guitarist for The Police, has a film called Can't Stand Losing, Surviving the Police. And it tells the story of how him, uh, Stuart Copeland, staying met, became bandmates, really by 1980, were already done with each other (laughs) as far as creativity and, you know, ego-wise, but how they continued on to make this phenomenal, great music. Uh, Love lost with family, friends, bandmates, children, uh, really touching, really moving. 
um, if you're at all familiar with the um, with the uh, you know kind of the story around the place, these guys are all phenomenal, amazing musicians. And I mean, and they would have fist fights backstage about time signatures and tempos, you know, um, a flat B sharp, you know, whatever, you know, or A sharp or B flat, you know, whatever. They would just tear each other up and how they fought for every note on every album. But, you know, Stuart Copeland has went on to do lots of TV and film music. Um, Andy Summers is a very, very respected photographer. And, you know, Sting, of course, you know, has had some acting situations and, you know, has continued on, you know, a little bit more mainstream music. So it's a very interesting uh, documentary and story. Hmm. Where can I watch this? Amazon Prime. All right. Yeah. Did he mention... Did he mention that they made a Funko Pop of him? <laughs> no, he didn't. But that yeah. he he should have because the whole band. So. You know, he should have because I think a lot of them are kind of averse to their own egos because of their reactions with the other mm-hmm. uh, ones in the band. I think they've all kind of got a bad taste and don't want to admit how egotistical they are. But there's a but there's a few points in the movie where he says, you know, at you know, I was a I was a stuck up bratty billionaire or millionaire rock star who would, you know, who had no regard for anyone or anything, you know, at, at one point in the eighties. And it was really, really, uh, you know, how he came back around and it's, it's a really touching, touching dog. Cool. If they made, if they really made Funko Pops out of all of the members of the police, that's cool, but you should not be allowed to buy them together in a set. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with the Funko Pops, the heads are actually the actual size. Yes, yes. <laughs> and they should have reverse polarity magnets. They can't put them near each other. You on can't the put them near each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and he talks about that. You know, we had three hotel rooms, three tour buses. We had to leave. You know, wow. Thirty thousand people in a stadium. You know, clamoring for you. We had to leave immediately or be stuck there for the rest of the day. You know, as soon as the set was over, they had to leave or they were stuck there. They just could not move because people were gridlocked trying to get to them. Yeah, it, it was amazing how how stardom had had you know rocketed for them at one point. All right, I, I don't know when I'll find the time to watch it, but I feel like I need to watch it. You 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 sold me. You got at least one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a law of averages, right? If I throw out so many music documentaries, you're gonna watch at least one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, some things we are definitely throwing around. We need to throw around some thoughts and grades for this movie. Jamie, why don't you lead us off? Um, I wish I wasn't. I don't love this movie. <laughs> um, but it's not entirely without charm. Um, I'm gonna go C plus. Um, I like it a little bit. I don't love this movie, and there's. Substantial flaws. <laughs> <laughs> but this may be, once again, our, our slight age discrepancy coming into play. Because I didn't see um, the Goonies, like, you know, cause I was five when the Goonies came out. I didn't see it till I was, you know, older. And by then, it wasn't, like, the big thing for my age group. Yeah. So I, did, I don't think I saw it till I was... <laughs> I may have been an adult when I first saw the Goonies, like, in, in its entirety. And so I, I think I missed the window. Um, okay. And so, yeah, C plus. Sorry, guys. That's all right. Well, that's okay. And, you know, and I think this is a movie that you have to experience 
as a youngster, at least remotely near, uh, you know, these kids' age. You have Sean Astin, you have Corey Feldman, um, Data, I'm not sure the actor's name, uh, Kihu Wan or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, He'll always you know, be short round to me. You know, short round, right, right. You know, short round in there. Uh, you know, Chunk, Jeff Cohen, uh, you know, Josh Brolin, you know, Thanos himself <laughs> um, in here. And uh, it's it's such a fun adventure for the time. It, it goes hand in hand, you know, with, with E.T. It goes hand in hand with Stand By Me. Um, it, it is right along that line. Um, I think that the time you see it really would affect you because it's not a perfect movie. There are lots of things that it's lacking. The story is kind of, kind of, what it is. Uh, the it's really chaotic. There's it gets it loses itself a few times. But I love this movie. It's so much fun. It, it the 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 ridiculousness of these kids going on this crazy adventure. You know, coming across this giant with these criminals looking for a pirate ship. In was this Astoria, Illinois, or what? <laughs> I mean, where are they even? They keep saying Astoria, not. But anyway, it's I, I love it. It's an A plus for me. Um, it always puts a smile on my face, not because it's a perfect movie, but just because I love it so, and it brings back so much of those memories as as a as a youngster, and the adventure, you know, getting on your box and traveling down the road with your friends, and and you know. Going, going in the hollow, going over the hills, you know, going, going up these old side roads, uh, going to these old abandoned buildings, you know, in town, and uh, you know, just just having an adventure is is what means the most with this movie for me. Yeah. You, you know, and and I guess maybe Jamie's right as far as this because a lot of what <clears throat> you've just said, Dwayne, is kind of the same with me. You know, this is a comfort food movie for me. Uh, it has all of those touchstones that I expect from a Spielberg story. And I guess that's why I so quickly lump it into a Spielberg category. It you know, feels so I mean, much like that. Yeah, yeah. It has that adventure. It has, you know, that old mystery, uh, the 80s gentrification of the town, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, you could just feel like they're going to knock down the town and put up a, a shopping mall. So, I mean, it feels very 80s in terms of that. Um, yeah. And if you think about the Goonies is the reason we still get movies in the same vein. I mean, face it, Super 8. Mm-hmm. is very much would not have happened without the Goonies. Um, Stranger Things, Jamie Mitchell. Yeah, all of those types of things. This. You know, and the thing is, we get this great cast of characters. They're, they're so unique, uh, but th- they're also each this different facet of youth. You know, similar to the way Charles Schultz's Peanuts, their char- his characters worked on so many different levels. Um, I think there's so many different elements of childhood and youth in here. Um, in hindsight, there are a few things that don't sit as well with me, um, but this movie is still good. So I just went straight with an A for me, um, you know, and it probably kicked back a little bit seeing it now with a different light on a couple of ideas, but yeah. it's still a great movie. Yeah, I, I think I'd, I think I'd lucked into seeing a few of the best scenes on TBS while flipping through the channels. Yeah. Yeah, um, you can do that, definitely. Yeah, because there's a few things that I remembered. I'm like, yeah, that was cool. And like, like, probably 
fifty percent of the movie. I had no knowledge of. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like Gandalf and Moria, you know, like I had no knowledge of this place. Um, and I mean, there's a there's a lot that I didn't like, and there was a few things I'm like, I don't know why this was okay in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is definitely a movie of its era, and you know we. We lumped this in with our Spielberg movies, even though it is just a story by, but you know, Richard Donner really kind of is channeling the Spielberg vibe directing. Chris Columbus has really told a classic coming of age tale, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, with his screenplay. And the only thing you're lacking is the John Williams soundtrack, but the Cindy Lauper song is good enough. Okay, sure. guys, you want to go get some fans. I don't know how we're going to segue that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I'd really ship, that ship has sailed. <laughs> that ship has sailed. <laughs> So here we go. Okay, I'm leading off with the fans on this section. Um, I'm, I'm going right back. You know, I'd, I'd mentioned the John Williams uh, soundtrack missing. You know, and it just does have some kind of iconic music. Uh, some, can, you can tell, sort of recycled and things. But I love the sound design of this, of this movie. Simply because these kids were my friends growing up. Everybody's talking at the same time. You've got nine different conversations going on with four different people. They're all talking over each other. They're all going on. There's it's so chaotic. You've got all this stuff happening in the background. Chunks breaking stuff. You know the radio's playing in the background. The sink's going crazy. The guys are knocking at the door trying to serve them the papers to buy the house. But you still don't feel so lost in the sound design. Um, everything is is you know it's there's separation. But there's still clutter, and especially when they go into the caves, and you have, you know, and they're still all going on. They're all freaking out. They're all losing their mind, and all of this chaoticness, in with you know this echo and reverb in this cave system. But it still doesn't get lost. I mean, these guys did a really, really excellent job, you know. And of course, whenever you have an opera singing bad guy, <laughs> Emore. <laughs> Even if the director will we'll put it over scenes where his mouth isn't moving. Yeah, we'll, we'll do where he's not singing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you know, as far as my fan, this is one of those what I call a buddy movie. And I love those because it, that, you know, it does take me back to my youth. I mean, it takes me back to those days when I had that group of friends, um, you know, I had guys that I hung with like Mouth, like Chunk, uh, Data, Mikey. I mean, every one of them with, with a little bit of a tweak here and there was was almost like a buddy of mine, mm-hmm. you know, when I was probably that age. Um, I just felt like this this group worked so well together Um you know, the, the, I feel like they, they had a bond. I feel like they could have grown up together. And I guess that's just a testament to maybe acting and things like that. And that's what makes this movie so heartwarming for me is that that nostalgia factor, I guess. 
because it takes me back to that time period. Like Dwayne said, riding, riding my bikes up and down the hollow, you know, going up in the hills and finding old cabins, you know, constructing in your head things that, that you know, that are just childhood fascination and imagination. So, you know, and then things change when you go to high school. So, but yeah. <laughs> What, what did Lyfield say about going to high school? Because it comic books for perfume and gasoline? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least you don't tell anybody about the comic books. Yeah. Um, it, mine, mine is related to Sammy's. Um, the, the, the whole friendship angle of the, the story, um, mm-hmm. which is really the real heart of the movie. Um, <laughs> Vin Diesel can get behind it. Um, but uh, I, I, lo- I like how they rib each other. They still, they have each, love each other's backs. Um, but my favorite thing about the, the the friendship angle of the storyline was how open their friend circle was. Because that's not always true, especially with kids. Like you got your buddies and nobody else is allowed in. Mm-hmm. But like I, I, I love the scene where like you know um, I forget the name. Mikey's talking to Andy and he says, "Well, you know what? Goonies never you know never say die." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "But I'm not a goonie." He's like, "Oh yeah." But that that that's how open their friend circle is. He's everybody's right. welcome. Um, yeah. in, in, in his mind, Andy and Steph had already become Goonies. And Brand, despite being his older brother, feels like an honorary member of the Goonies. And I just think that's really cool. And it's not always done that way. And it's not always represented that way. And so I, I thought that was a really cool angle that, you know, was kind of surprising. I, I really enjoyed that part of the story. Because it was like, you know, girls are, you know, yucky or whatever. Uh, it happens a lot in those kind of stories. Or like, you're not one of us. Um, and there wasn't any of that. Like, he was, it was, I mean, I, it, it surprised me. That, that they went that direction with the, with their with their friend circle, so that that was that was a big thing. Cool. Yeah, I I did love the inclusiveness um, that they had there. It was it was really a, they had a broad group. Mm-hmm. They had a yeah. broad, not not just talking about and everybody children. was welcome. Yeah, even sloth. Well, do you think Chunk found some pans in the restaurant that he could cook in? Probably broke them. All right. right. Let's lead off with uh, (laughs) the pan section here. Okay. You know, I think when it comes to my pans on this one, guys, um, it's one of those things that sometimes it's difficult to take older cinema, or it should be, and kind of analyze it through a modern lens. You know, you... Things that that maybe flew in eighty five definitely wouldn't fly today, okay? And we and we know that uh, Goonies is definitely a movie of its time, you know. And as an adult, I kind of can look now and go, "Wow, did they really need to do that?" Um, I really hate the fact that Data keeps referring to himself in third person. That really bothered me, um, you know. We mentioned about short round, right? There's a big difference between 1935 and 1985 in the way that you portray somebody from an AAPI culture. Um, and, and those things definitely wouldn't happen if this movie was made today. Um, I know a lot of t- times data, especially, is maybe played for a little bit of humor, just as Chunk has played for humor a lot. Um, but I just think that that it it kind of calls back to times in cinema that maybe when certain cultures were not exactly well represented. And like I said, him referring to himself in third 
person really bugged me. And I guess I never really paid attention as a kid, but now as an adult, I can look and go, I don't know if I appreciate that. Well, it wasn't yeah. that. I mean, there's <laughs> Andy's wardrobe. They wouldn't do that today. Because her, I mean, ha- half the time she's on screen, her skirt is is flying up, and we're seeing stuff we shouldn't be seeing, you know. Mm-hmm. And we, we wouldn't do that today with a with a with a lady that a young lady uh, of no. that age. We would yeah. not film her in that way. And all the scenes where like these young boys are having these aspirational moments with these older girls, <laughs> we would not do that today. And I was a little uncomfortable watching those. <laughs> Even the point that you were like, clearly Steph is supposed to be interested in mouth. And I'm like, that's weird, guys. <laughs> this is really weird. Uh, and Andy's whole compliment to, to uh, Mikey at the end, I'm like, <laughs> that whole kissing scene was weird. And your directions you're giving him are really strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's just a lot of things. I was just, yeah, And I didn't like the way Sloth was handled. Mm-hmm. Um, that's... I, I had forgotten a lot of that or, or, or had not seen those bits or just thought he was a toxic Avenger or something. I, I don't know, but um, yeah. I, I was really uncomfortable with the way Sloth was done. I, I didn't remember most of that if I'd seen right. it. And so I, just, yeah. I didn't love... There's a lot, a lot of those things. I'm just, I think it's probably the, <laughs> the reason I'm sitting on a C+. Plus. A lot of those little, little things kind of just made me uncomfortable. And, mm. I, and I'm not, you know... <laughs> you know I, I don't always have problems with those things. And I'm... And I can accept things in their context they were made in and, and understand that. But I was also just like, I don't know. Didn't like the way it made me feel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, there's some things that are a little cringeworthy. You know, yeah. look at, looking back at, like you said, the representation or, you know, the way that certain characters are portrayed, especially young ladies. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it can be a little bit rough. So are you done with your pen? Uh. I've got one little tiny thing. Um, I don't like the way the 80s handled asthma. I'm a, I'm <laughs> <laughs> in every 80s movie, there's a kid with asthma by the end of the movie realizes it's all in his head and throws away his inhaler. Yeah. Some people really have asthma. Yeah. <laughs> I need it's my not, inhaler, guys. psychological. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. And I know, uh, <clears throat> you know, that the, the 80s especially, a lot of the issues we know today that, that people deal with <clears throat> were almost kind of overlooked or just like, Oh, it's, it's all in your head. You'll grow out of it, you know, or you'll get over, it. you know, it's, 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 it's a thing. <clears throat> One thing in this movie I can't get over. And it's, it's a small nitpick. And I know there's huge, big things in this movie. There are large gaping holes and, and your know, representations and stuff that I could, could le- leap on. But every time I cringe. I beat the couch. I fall on the floor wailing. When when uh, Andy's doing the the organ at the end, <clears throat> and and she has to get the notes right, or the floor falls out from under them, and she says, "I don't know if it's an A sharp or a B flat. It's the same relative <laughs> pitch. <laughs> an A sharp and a B flat is the same relative pitch." One step up from an A, one step down from a from a B. It's B flat, A sharp. It's the same relative pitch. If you took piano lessons and listened at all, you would know. Maybe that's why she's asking for a piano lessons at the end, because she realizes how Maybe. stupid she sounded. Ah! Okay, that's me. She, she must have been, been a uh, police fan. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, Stuart you're Copeland not, pushed her in the nose. <laughs> you're not you're not the only music aficionado who's had that complaint. I did a tiny bit of research. One of the first things I found was, was some music nerd shouting about that. <laughs> yeah. Every every time I don't know if it's an A sharp or a B flat. It's the same note. It's the same relative pitch. Doesn't matter whether you're coming up or down, you're hitting the same note. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, fellas, um, we've picked at this movie a lot, but I, I think this movie does have its charms. So I think there are some awards we could give out. You want to give us some awards? Let's do it. Um, I'm first on best performance, and I think there is an absolute right answer here. And it's Sean Astin. That guy's been Sam Gamgee his whole life. I mean, he's he and and not all of the kids are are, are batting a thousand in every scene, but Sean Astin is. He's just he's he's very natural as Mikey. He's very believable, um, and he's got some really bad dialogue he has to deliver, and he delivers it well. I mean, he's he got to do it some. Yeah, got some nonsense he has to, to sell to the audience. Mm-hmm. He does a good job. I think Sean Astin has already had chops as, at a very young age. Yeah, it, it amazed me how much he still feels like Sean Astin, you know, in this movie, even though he's a kid and looks, you know, a bit different than he does in Rudy and Lord of the Rings and, you know, Bob in, in Stranger Things. But how much he still feels feels like that character. He only grew like three or four more inches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we, we all can't, uh, we all can't be the tall leading man. Um, like right. my best performance grew into, um, I love Chuck. Chuck's, um, you know, completely epileptic, uh, you know, spastic, screaming, yelling, crying, performance is my favorite jeff cohen um as chunk and you know this guy kind of dove out of acting and he's you know an attorney for actors now uh apparently quite successful Mm -hmm. um in california Uh, he's getting my best performance well i kind of went with jamie on this i went with sean astin um just because even from this age you can tell there was really something special about Sean Astin. I mean, everything, and, and I love, we, we've all hit the same notes here. Rudy, Samwise Gamgee, Bob <laughs> the Brain, you know, all of these different points in his acting career, but he still fits that heartwarming, honest type mm-hmm. of ca- character. You know, that's visible right here at 13 years old. And to me, it's continued all the way through. And I just, you know, there's just something about Sean Astin that that just, as soon as you see him, you're like, I just like this guy. If he's not a good dude in real life, then he's the greatest actor in human history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I mean, but every interview that I've ever seen him in, I mean, he just seems like this earnest, grounded. I mean, his his mother is what Patty Duke. Yes. You know, so he comes I didn't know from. That. Yeah, I mean, he comes from Hollywood yeah. aristocracy. You know, royalty. I mean, grew huh. up in here, and to be such a grounded, nice guy. Yeah, you know, and then, it really is amazing. And then I think he was adopted by John Aston. Yeah, uh, Gomez. Hmm. So I think you know when Patty Duke and John Aston got together, I think he officially maybe adopted him or something to that effect, and that's why he has the Aston last name. I've learned so much this evening. Yeah, yeah, he's a great, great, great guy. But Patty you know, Duke and Gomez. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a couple. Got to meet. <laughs> there's a couple for you. But you know, speaking of Sean Aston. I can't get over the scene in the movie where him and, Th- you know, where, where Samwise game Jim Thanos has a moment, you know, on the porch <laughs> hugging. You know, but that's not my favorite scene. My favorite scene is, you know, Thanos still on the g- little girl's bike <laughs> and, 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 you know, chasing, chasing after them and, and then getting uh, caught by uh, the guy that Andy's flirting with in the car, you know, riding around in the Mustang and, you know, diving off the, diving off the hill, uh, you know, Josh Brolin um, on a little pink, uh, Schwinn there, just just going right along, yeah. <laughs> with the banana, with the banana seat and the and the the sparkly uh, ribbons. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite scene. You know that that was a hilarious scene. But see, this one's easy for me, guys. On one-eyed Willie ship, as Sloth and Chunk swing to the rescue, Sloth rips off that Raiders T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. And it's the Superman, Superman shield. And it is heightened by the inclusion of the John Williams Superman theme. So Donner had to get another uh, nod in there to, you didn't let me do Superman too. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, you're both wrong. The right, <laughs> the right answer is Chuck's confession scene. <laughs> you want to hear everything? You want to hear everything? Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that was hilarious <laughs> you know and, and think about you know we were talking about the difference between a movie then and a movie today would we ever see a child put into a place where his hand could get stuck into a blender by an adult <laughs> on a movie today i mean there's no way we would see that <laughs> i loved the conclusion though the, the, the fake vomit story Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that that was the scene that I absolutely laughed the hardest. And I, yeah. <laughs> well, 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 Jamie, that that I'm really glad you mentioned that because as we're moving into best character, Chunk is definitely my best character. Uh, Jeff Cohen, Lawrence, right? Um, there's just so so much humor. To this, and I know he's played for laughs. He's he's the overweight friend, you know. I mean, I was that person. So, but you know, I um, but just the the his heart. I mean, he befriends Sloth. Um, really, all the trauma that he goes through with the Fratellis. You know, I mean, he still <laughs> even right at the end. You know, he's just happy to get his pizza. Uh, so I mean, I think he totally as a character deserves that one. 
Well, I didn't obey the Oscar rules this week. Uh, so, Sammy, I'm sorry. We're not following your directions. Um, I'm going okay. with Mikey. <laughs> Mikey's just such a good kid. Um, I wish I'd been more like Mikey when I was a kid. <laughs> just, just the best little guy, you know? And I, I, I enjoy his sort of de facto leader role in the group. I, I just enjoy all of his interactions with every one of the people um, among the Goonie crew. He's just, he's just a great kid. Well, I chose uh, Mikey as my favorite character because of what you just said, Jamie. He's such an earnest, you know, he's really the heart and the direction of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's the anchor for the Goonies. He's their moral compass. You know, he, he keeps them on path you know, from all of the insanity that you have uh, with Mouth and all of Chunk's goofiness and all of Data's little, Data's little gadgets. You know, it's it's Mike who anchors, and without him, you don't feel like the group works. Mm-hmm. He he is the hub that that holds the, this group together. So, I did the divide and conquer of, and uh, you know, Sean Astin as Mikey is my favorite character. Yeah. I, I think he's probably of all the kids, he's the only one that like transcends being like a two dimensional paper thin character. Yeah, uh, the yeah. rest of them are just it's not it's not just data. They're all stereotypes except <laughs> well, Mikey. Well, and you and you, you even look at the names. You know, mouth is what he is. You know, he just you know Corey Feldman. He just talks all the time. He just yep 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 yep. yep. He's just a smart aleck. Um, you know, Chunk. He's just the token chubby guy. You know, just just for laughs. Data. You know, he's the Asian quote unquote. You know, smart geeky gadgety mm-hmm. person. Um, You know, I, I, I know we, we already did best thing, but I do have to mention with Mouth, when he is translating, <laughs> when he is translating to Spanish. <laughs> uh, another scene we would make today. Yeah, no. yeah especially, especially with I, a kid, you know, saying, those, yeah, saying that. But I guess that brings us to best quote. Uh, I've got two I'm struggling between. I've got the one that made me, it's the conclusion to the Chunk <laughs> confession story. I want to read it in, in its entirety, but I'm not going to. Um, I, I like when Mikey's having to sort of pull the group back in and gives his sort of, in, you know, I'm going to be Rudy someday speech. <laughs> Don't you realize the next time you see Sky, it'll be over another town. The next time you take a test, it'll be in some other school. Our parents, they want the best of stuff for us. But right now, they got to do what's right for them because it's their time. Their time. Up there. Down here, it's our time. It's our time down here. Then it ends in the dumb way. It's all over the second we ride up Troy's bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, that's exactly what I have for mine also. Um, I think to me, that was that, that quote, that, that piece of dialogue you know, that was almost like the emotional gut punch, you know, and it's almost one of those deals that, you know, we've all talked about nostalgia and bringing us back to when we were younger. You know, if you knew what was the pivotal moment that all that would change, that's what this is. If they had went up yeah. the bucket, everything would have changed at that instant. That would have been the moment that the friendship ended. And I think that's what makes that whole quote so impactful. You know, 
the next time you see Sky, it'll be over another town because there's no guarantee they're all going to be in the same town. You know, there's no guarantee they're all going to be in the same school. You know, and I love the fact that this kid realizes their parents are doing the best they can. They don't have a choice either here. You know, and that that's some emotional kind of responsibility and some maturity there, I think, in that character. And once again, I think that's what makes that quote so important. I also got kind of a, a little bit of, a little bit of a vibe of like, this is our last chance mm-hmm. to have like a childhood moment. Yeah. That once yeah. this is over, we're going to be older and things will be changing for us and we'll be leaving childhood behind. Let, let's have this one last childhood adventure. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that is really interesting scene because it does bring into focus that moment that we all go through and never realize it where you're going from childhood to adolescence. You're, you're leaving elementary school, going to middle school, or you're leaving middle school, going into high school. You know, those, those times when your friend groups shift, your focuses, you know, start to become more of what you're going to branch into as an adult. That's, that's very, very, very good uh, quote there. But you know, I, I picked something a little bit different. The, uh, the Fratelli brothers uh, say, uh, Joey, Joey Pence's brother, I, fr- I forget the guy's name. I call him Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, Beta. <laughs> the, the, the opera singer, you know, as, as they're going through one partner and they're, and they're arguing, he's going on with Joey Pence. And he says, Mom, I always liked you better. And Mom says, yeah, I did. That's, that's my favorite. <laughs> just, just that little funny part there. <laughs> it just, just always cracks me up. But it's such a small little thing, but it shows you how skewed that family is. Mm-hmm. I love that. There's a, a yeah. podcast I listen to where one of the guys has four kids and he doesn't, but to protect them from, you know, horrible people on the internet, he doesn't want to, he doesn't say their name. So he's made up a code name for each of one of his children. He gave one of them the nickname favorite. Favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I like, uh, I like the little meme that's going around here lately. It says, uh, it says, uh, you know, when, when someone asks you who your favorite kid is, you know, you're supposed to pick one of your own. I know that now. (laughs) (laughs) Have you said Mikey from the Goonies your whole life? Mikey. (laughs) (laughs) Mikey. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, this movie, I know we had talked so much about the, the 80s-ness of it, the, the character portrayals, the music, the, uh, you know, just the whole vibe there. But uh, in our episode-specific awards, we come to the best 80s-tastic thing. And I'm going to go with all of the little mousetrap gadgets that you have kind of sprinkled throughout the movie. All of the little, you know, when they open the gate, they have this whole thing, and it pops the balloon, and chicken lays the egg, and the bowling ball goes around. And then, you know, there's all these little gadgets and things. That's That really makes me think of of so much 80s stuff. You know, the erector sets, the, the Legos, the things. That whole town is a Rube Goldberg machine. Above yeah, ground and below ground. Yeah, so, I mean, somebody and, and they're everywhere. Money. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, all of these little, you know, and I, I just, you know, like Rube Goldberg machines, yeah, I just call them mousetrap machines because, you know, that's what makes me think of the, the game mousetrap. Yeah, and you mousetrap. have yeah. all of this craziness, you know, for a basket to fall on you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my mine is easy and it's the one that was just kind of i'd forgotten or i'd never noticed before but like 
when Josh Brolin first walks in, <laughs> or he's working or something, you see he's got full-on sweatpants on with tiny, tiny 80s basketball shorts. <laughs> Pull over them. Pull over. a big headband. And it's like, when was this ever cool? The sweatshirt with the sleeves cut out. Yeah. It's not even a t-shirt with it's the sleeves. That's a sweatshirt. He's got the Suzanne Summer Springs going yes. on. <laughs> He's singing Three's Company. Yeah. Like, I'm from the 90s. We want stuff that didn't make sense, but, like, there's no era that that's lo- there's anything logical about what Roland's wearing. Well, let, let's just think about 80s fashion. I mean, leg warmers. I mean, come on. So... It was it was even better when he got on the little pink bicycle. Yeah, that was yeah, the totally. <laughs> it accentuated the wardrobe. Well, guys, for me, I think the base eighties tastic thing is just our cameo from Cindy Lauper. I mean, just to have her on the television. I've always loved that song anyway, as as Dwayne now has that in my head. Um but, you know, it's also that little flashback, the early days of MTV, music videos, just good times, you know. So, took me back. Yeah. That was back when MTV played music. Yes. <laughs> they did that for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> and now we've, we're all officially old. We've complained about MTV not playing music. Not playing music. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you want a music video, you got to go to YouTube. Alrighty, well, next up we have the best That Was Better When I Was Younger award. Sammy? Okay. I've mentioned Data and the way he was handled in my pan, okay? But I never realized how much more Inspector Gadget Data feels than James Bond. Okay. <laughs> um, and I think the one that finally pushed me over the edge in this watch was when Data saves himself from the booty trap, booby trap, <laughs> with the wind-up teeth in the spring. That's the one yeah. that I was like, okay, I just that that's a bridge too far. That was just too much for me. Uh, you know, as a kid, I thought that was all the little inventions were great. You know, I was kind of partially that kid, too. I always wanted to hook up stuff on my bike, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, but obviously, nobody questioned the physics of that scene. <laughs> you know, that spring is not going to work. <laughs> so, Well, I wanted to say all of the groin related humor with Joey Pants, but it's not true. It still was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna go with the older girls being interested in the younger boys. When I was a younger boy, those scenes were pretty funny. Like I thought that was aspirational, right? <laughs> but now that I'm older, I'm like, it's just like Dwayne used the exact right word earlier. It's cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, that's weird, and I don't like it. Well, yeah. you know, when you watch it <laughs> as a as a younger kid. You're like, oh, yeah, he's getting the older, older girl. 100%. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but now as, as, you know, adults, <clears throat> at least age wise, um, you know, looking back, you're like, eh, no, that's that's weird. Yeah. That's that's strange. That's 16 yeah. year old cougars. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I did a little bit of digging because I was kind of weirded out with some of those scenes too. And I was like, okay, I wonder what actually is the age difference. Because they, I mean, they had these guys being physical on set, you know, sharing kisses and embraces and things. And I was wondering, I was like, okay, what are the age differences here? Um, <clears throat> the, the, the blonde girl, Steph, is only one year older than Corey Feldman. And I think she's, I think she's probably the same age as uh, one of the other kids. I think, I think maybe it might be uh, Sean Astin, but, but they're, they're like the same age. So they were portrayed a little bit older than their yeah. actual ages. So, you know, that, that kind of eased it a little bit for me, but still, like I said, with the portrayals on screen was still kind of weird. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but now for me, the best thing that was better when I was younger is, is I'm going exactly with saying, you know, Data, you know, we, we thought he was James Bond. We thought he had all of these cool things. We thought he was like this android robot almost, you know, with all of these gadgets under under that trench coat. But yeah, it's it's completely goofy Inspector Gadget. And not even the cool cartoon Inspector Gadget, but the Matthew Broderick Inspector Gadget. <laughs> you know? I mean, face it, he that even had was... a tape with the Bond theme as he was yeah. going down the zip line. Yeah, but, 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 but you know, but, yeah, that, that really, you know, was like yeah. kind of cringeworthy. And it's like, ugh. I thought the shoes were even worse than the the teeth, you know. <laughs> the box, the boxing glove. <laughs> yeah. But, uh. Well, no matter what age you are, no matter what age he is, an actor that's always amazing, never better when we're younger, always great, is our beloved Keanu Reeves, the ageless, timeless, immortal one. In this. 80s classic of the Goonies. I know it's a little bit before his time. He hadn't quite headed up. But where does he connect to the Goonies, Jamie? Okay, so you're going to have to hang with me a minute. Um, So this week, someone at work guessed my age. And literally, for the first time in my entire life, someone guessed a lower number rather than higher. <laughs> <laughs> we'll circle back to that at the end. So this week's Keanu Connection has a bunch of film and TV credits to their names. Uh, she's done rather well for herself, winning and getting nominated for lots of TV awards, primarily as Best Guest Actress. But uh, I couldn't find any way to make her filmography interesting. <laughs> There's a lot of Law and Order, CSI, Good Wife stuff. I, I couldn't, couldn't fancy that. But um, when I looked into her bio, it was very interesting. Um, the coolest thing about her is that she spends a lot of her time um, doing free community theater, doing um, free um, coaching um, for drama kids in low-income communities, trying to help kids. Um, I didn't describe it very well right now, but it's really cool the way she spends her time um, giving a lot back. And that is Steph, Martha Plimpton. Um, she played Steph in the Goonies and she you know, will show up here and there and you'll recognize her face. Like She's been in a lot of TV stuff, so much TV work. Um, but <laughs> she played Steph in the Goonies. Just a few years later, she played Julie in Parenthood. A movie that reminds me every time I go this route that some people just win the genetic lottery and I didn't. <laughs> so this week, someone guessed my age lower than reality for the first time. Uh, Martha Plimpton doesn't have that problem. She has barely aged. Her All of her pictures on, on IMDb 
she looks like a slightly older version of herself. There's been no work done, but she's only aged a handful of years. It's amazing. Yeah. Steve Martin is also in that movie, who hasn't aged since like 1995. It's unreal. Steve Martin doesn't age. But also in that movie is Keanu Reeves, the ageless wonder, who is perhaps immortal, uh, perhaps a space alien, or maybe he secretly discovered the secret of the fountain of youth. And isn't sharing except on that set. Um, there was something in the water on the set of the Parenthood. Anyway, uh, that was the best I could make that interesting. Sorry, guys. Uh, Martha Plimpton, Parenthood, and the Fountain of Youth are this week's Keanu Connection. <gasps> Kaboom. <laughs> I love her even more now. Yeah, her 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 bio. I, I think either she wrote it or somebody wrote it for her, but. I mean, it seems like her life goal is to go into low-income communities and find people of talent and potential and help them. I'm like, that's, it's just, that was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, guys, that was our review of The Goonies. I hope you have enjoyed it and had as much fun as we have had talking about it and watching it. And if this is a movie you haven't seen in a while, but you listen to us anyway, it's worth a visit. If If nothing else, then to, you know... Do the chunk dance. <laughs> but uh, Truffle Shuffle. The Truffle Shuffle. Yeah, that's what it's called. I always forget. He's, he's chunk. It's everything chunk. But uh, yeah, that, that was our review of <clears throat> The Goonies. Uh, coming up next, as we continue our Steven Spielberg month, we do have a movie actually directed by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Wow. We, we actually found something that he directed, guys. I, it, I know it was a stretch and it was a struggle. We actually found something he directed. Um, <laughs> not sure what kind of response we're going to get. This is from a novel by Ernest Klein, a very beloved novel. And even the audiobook, if you ever get a chance to check that out, read narrated by the one and only Will Wheaton. Um, ready? Player one. We're going to be diving into this futuristic dive into 80s nostalgia as Ty Sheridan seeks to save the world from Ben Mendelsohn. So, guys, as we are, uh, well, let me back this up just a minute. Ready Player One is available with subscriptions from HBO Max, TBS, and TNT. And also the weird one, True TV. Don't know how it fits, but okay. Um, or you know, you can drop a three ninety nine rental from Amazon, Apple, Fandango, Redbox, or Voodoo. And as we are preparing to watch interview Ready Player One, Jamie, what are we going to do? We're going to prepare for this by memorizing every nerdy pop culture reference ever, as we keep it nerdy. <laughs> 